0: Carnivorous Couch It happens once a week It swallows us for two hours When we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film About which we then speak Carnivorous Couch With Brady and Rob
1: Hi everybody, hi everybody, hi everybody. Welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch, the spoiler-full podcast where we do a film a week from two film geeks. We have Brady and Rob as per usual and we also have the lovely... Tess. Who's going to be the specialist guest on this one.
2: I didn't say I was lovely.
1: Sorry. I wasn't trying to imply something. I was looking
3: up uh, something.
1: You were looking up something. Okay. Anyway, we did the 1992 film. Four. 1994
2: film. <laughs> I know. I'm surprised it's that late. Okay, yeah. I so know. they couldn't have been
1: doing the Sunflower seeds in X-Files because of that. It was like nine. All right. So the 1994 film, Ace Ventura, uh, starring Jim Carrey and Courtney Cox, as well as a number of other extras who we all recognized. Yes. But it wasn't starring them. They were just extras. Um, and, uh Jim Carrey's my favorite actor, so I thought we'd watch the movie that, you know, put him on the map and made him famous. It was a movie that uh, was actually written as more of a serious comedy, like a black comedy or something like that. And that he t- looked at the script and said, I'll do this on the condition that I can rewrite the script however the fuck I want, okay? <laughs> All right. And... Uh, well, not rewrite the script, but basically put in like basically, you know, make it the Jim Carrey comedy hour and a half and he just and wanted
2: just, to talk out of his ass a little y- yes, bit and just, that was it.
1: Like fuck it. Alright, this is I'm just gonna try and show him what I got as far as my comedic talents and uh, you know, talk to the fourth wall of the entire movie. Um, so that's what we did this week and we're gonna do a plot synopsis. We didn't decide who's gonna do it though, huh? No.
2: Hmm. Looks like you, Rob. Yeah, I think you'd be most fitting.
1: All right, I know all of this movie. So let me see. We open with this UPS man guy kind of guy that's played by Jim Carrey bringing a package in. He's beating the shit out of the package. Uh, Turns out he's just bringing the package so that he can swipe a dog for a lady who's really hot, I guess. She's the stereotypical hot trope, big cleavage lady. Uh, She doesn't pay him. Uh, she instead gives him a blowjob. Then he goes uh, to his apartment. After he goes to apartment, there's this dude who's uh, played by Hector Salamanque, and uh, he's all pissed off because he's not supposed to have pets in the apartment. He says, there are no pets in the apartment, but they're so well-trained, they're trained to hide on cue by him jiggling his keys in the door. And so he goes from there to uh, inside. Uh, obviously, all the animals come to him, his jungle friends. And after that um
3: obviously his jungle friends come to him
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) um so after that uh we get a scene of a dolphin being kidnapped uh from a tank um and there's some shit like that then after that we get a scene of them saying you should call a pet detective and they go, what on earth is a pet detective? And they say, it's a highly scientific process. We've smash cut to Jim Carrey on top of a roof trying to catch the $25,000 pigeon that he told his landlord about that said he would be paid. Um, then he rent. lands in the dumpster. His pager rings. What?
2: For his rents. He, he hasn't been paying rents at all. He hasn't For been paying Miami rents. For his Miami apartment. Exactly. He's, he's a deadbeat.
1: Yes, he's a deadbeat <laughs> detective. At any rate, so then he gets called in, and in um... Basically has the whole thing and they say we need to find this dolphin who's been kidnapped and blah 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 because it's the Super Bowl and we want to win. So he goes to the police department uh, where his friend played by Tone Loke uh, lives, lives? No, works. And obviously he has a very contentious thing with the police department because they think he's a pet detective and they're very belittling of him. So a bunch of the little comedic things back and forth with them where he tells a big fat police officer named LaGuard- LaGuarda. Aguado. Aguado. LaGuarda's from Dexter. That's the... Okay, yeah. Um, Aguado to kiss a cockroach and make up. At any rate, he talks out of his ass, um, blah, 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 a bunch of other shit. Then uh, he goes and he... Um, Wants to go investigate the tank where the dolphin was stolen from. He finds a small rock in the tank and impersonates the trainer. After that, uh... What the hell happens after that? Um... Sorry, you told me to do the plot synopsis. (laughs) If you wanted to do it, you can. You want to pick it up? Yeah, yeah,
3: he's moving pretty fleetly through it.
1: Yeah, I think we're at four minutes, and that was with, like, a two-minute intro. You want to pick it up? You want to pick it up? Okay. Uh, so at any rate, uh, after that, uh, uh he goes and tries to find every single, uh, the best part of the movie, he tries to find every single person on the team who had that particular stone in their ring. Um, and actually, no, first he goes to a metal club where Cannibal, Cannibal Corpse is playing. Then his <laughs> friend like tell, like looks up some articles and they think it might be this one dude. And so he goes to the dinner party and as all this uh, stuff goes on, gets attacked by a great white shark instead of uh, finding the dolphin. And as he's leaving, he notices he has this ring on his finger that is an ACL championship ring from 19. Blah, 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 blah. And he realizes 86? the stone, yeah, maybe it was that, like 86, that. 87. Um, the stone that he saw in the tank that he found was from that ring. So he goes to every single player. This is the most entertaining part of the movie, a montage with him trying to find the ring of every single player. That's missing that rock. That's missing that rock, finds nothing. After that, uh, Roger Prodactor, one of the two people who hired him, along with Courtney Cox, is killed. Um, After that... Courtney
2: Cox is not killed. Roger Prodactor Yeah, one
1: of the two people who hired him, Roger Prodactor, (laughs) is killed. The way you worded it it was... Along with Courtney Cox. He he hired her along with Courtney Cox, um, whose name is... Fairly spoken, Monica. No.
2: No, Jennifer. No. Jessica. No. Rachel. No. Phoebe.
1: <laughs> I can't remember who the fuck. I, what? Okay. Matt her,
2: LeBlanc. Her her
1: name is probably said like twice in the movie because it doesn't give much credence <laughs> to female characters. Jason um. Schwimmer. No, because he goes like. David Schwimmer.
2: No, no. David Schwimmer's the name of the dolphin. <laughs>
1: there was a monkey too. <laughs> yeah, I think a monkey who plays Marcel is also in this. Um, so at any rate, uh, they start on a sexual relationship after he comforts her After uh, and solves the crime that Roger Prodactor did not kill himself but was rather murdered. Um, at any rate, they find out that there is a, another person who was on the team who wasn't in the picture that he was working from named Ray Finkel. Ray Finkel turns out to be a crazy person who... Um, uh is has a vengeance against Dan Marino so he goes and visits that person's house uh finds all the stuff goes yep this guy's crazy uh i need to look at the stuff from his uh mental institution that they wanted to pick up so he pretends to be a mental patient and has uh Courtney Cox since we can't remember the name of a person because it's hardly ever mentioned uh, like maybe three times I think is the whole time. He's called Ace a Billion Times. She's called whatever her name is, hardly ever. Brady could probably be looking that up right now. I mean Steve. Steve could probably be looking that up right now. What do you ask? It's me the name Steve. of the character who's played by Courtney Cox. Steve's our intern. Um, he looks stuff up for us and keeps the goat out when I get it.
2: Oh. Steve, could you look this up? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Um so at any rate, uh he can admits himself to the mental institution, finds out that it's somehow attached to the uh, uh, queen of Police, Chief of Police, <laughs> sorry, slip there, illuminating more than I should have at this point in time in the, uh, uh Queen's okay, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, in the plotline. Anyway, um, basically all that stuff happens, and he goes, oh, look, Einhorn, Einhorn, somehow Lois Einhorn is connected with uh, Ray Finkel. And then a dog's hair falls on the thing and he realizes, Einhorn's, or Finkel's a woman now and it's Einhorn. And, wow, uh you are
2: skipping so much of this movie.
1: Not the really important parts.
2: Yeah, mostly him just like driving around and like leaving tire tracks and yeah. parking lots is basically what he's glossing over, so I guess it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, it's not part of the, well, I yeah, mean, it is part of the plot, but it's not an important part of the plot. No. And I'm trying to move this thing along as fast yes, as possible. please. Okay, so anyway, Dan Marino is then kidnapped, and he goes, no, it's Einhorn kidnapped, and he follows Lois Einhorn to the place where Dan Marino has been kidnapped, reveals that she is indeed a man uh, in a very kind of uh, bad way, where he's, like, tearing off her clothes in front of a bunch of men. Um, And then... uh, I
2: thought it would be okay even if she was a man or a woman
1: or... Well, that's debatable, but anyway, we can talk about that later. (coughs) Um... And uh, then wins the day by solving the whole mystery, even though she was the chief of police and going, Hey, shoot this guy, uh, because he's wrong! He's unarmed, and we're both kind of beat up, and I'm just kind of standing here acting crazy, like a crazy person. But he's wrong, so shoot him! But they don't, because he's right. Uh, And then he beats up... Another mascot uh, at the football game at the end. Yep. And that's it. Yep. Okay, so let's move along um, to Hey, 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 how do we like it? Tess, why don't you start?
2: Did not hold up. Uh, um, I was actually really excited to be watching this again because, uh, as I was saying earlier, um, uh, not recording, that I rewatched The Mask about six years ago probably maybe more now and it it held up for me entirely whereas this did not hold up at all um I I almost rarely laughed um it just made me kind of like push my eyebrows together in a line that looks like a mountain and um really question what I had been seeing at the time that I saw this the first time and the second time and the third time and got the 90s and uh, it did didn't hold up um, so how did I like it it was a solid C plus C plus C
0: plus okay Brady
3: yeah okay i uh this one was gonna be hard for me I knew going in that it wasn't gonna hold up probably as well. I had as no I this This movie did play, I'm not going to say a role, that sounds a little <laughs> a bit too much, but I certainly watched it a lot on VHS with my sister and my father during my childhood, and I, I deeply treasure those moments. I remember enjoying that very much. And so, you know, this protective side of me was going to be like, okay, let's at least get this to a B-. Minus, and unfortunately, I just can't quite get there. I'm with Mm-mm. Tess on the C+. plus. Yeah. Um... It, what it has on its side is spontaneity occasionally. Yeah. Uh, through Jim Carrey, what it has going against it is spontaneity. To me, it's a movie yep. to laugh at, wince at, and be bored by on a completely scene by scene basis. I think it picks up more comedic steam as it goes along. For me, its high point all happens in the asylum scenes. Yeah. The uh, slow mo bit is uh, is a really good one that I like. I think it those are its funniest scenes, but. The problem is, and I think I'll get to this more. And what's it all about? Is that its highest value seems to just be as a Jim Carrey demo reel Mm -hmm. in the very earliest days of his film career. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it has zero momentum or continuity. And it actually surprised me to say this. It it's an early example of what I'm going to call the Sandler curse. Something (gasps) that all Adam Sandler movies do these days is that. The character isn't allowed to be wrong ever, no matter how ridiculous or stupid they are. Yep. And so the script goes out of its way to back and affirm the character and have other characters do that. And so it makes it kind of like a one note show. It's just there's oh. Ace and everyone around Ace kind of puts up with Ace. And so, you know, it's not I mean, maybe this seems pr- probably to someone listening who actually enjoys these kind of comedies. They're thinking I'm ridiculous to apply this kind of character continuity to a film no, like you're this. Not wrong. But the problem is, it, it does make it a bit deadening where it could be a little more lively and funny if other characters were allowed to be funny. And yeah, that certainly doesn't happen
2: well, You have Courtney Cox who's a, like You know a comedian and, and she's Not really allowed it in fact she gets a Really weird moment where she just has To kind of leave the room crying It's really upsetting Yeah, it, She's not allowed to be funny even though she's A funny person on Friends arguably If you like Friends
3: And, and here's uh, since this is the grading portion This is probably the best time to say this Ace Ventura lovers from back In the day including the one Who is with us in the studio today the biggest problem of your favorite VHS comedy of the 90s is that we're probably going to spend most of the time talking about its troubling portrayal of sexuality. Yes. Because <laughs> um, it unfortunately doesn't, just doesn't bear that much weight as a comedy. I think it's yeah, it's most interesting as a coming out, a debutante ball for Jim Carrey, who mm-hmm. is an actor I, I like fairly well enough, uh, depending on the project. And I guess I'll get th- into this more and what's it all about. I think it's a perfect encapsulation of the highs and lows of his career to come, uh, but it doesn't hold up that well. C plus.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so for
1: me, we let me agree. see. <coughs> um, <laughs> I would say out of, out of all the Jim Carrey comedies that came out in 94, 95, which is his three big ones, right? It was um, this, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Um, 95 for Dumb and Dumber, 94 oh, this for This
2: Pales and the Mask, in terms of The Mask and Dumb and Dumber. I,
1: I'm thinking. Um, but at any rate, um, uh, this was a, a highly quotable movie. I still quote it to this day, and it's fun to quote uh, all the stuff in it. It's fun out of context and stuff. But when I'm watching the whole movie, not a very good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Jim Carrey. He's my favorite actor. And um, the things I like about him are not really the things that are in this movie. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of, yeah, like Brady said, it's like a demo reel for Jim Carrey, and that's exactly how he intended it, like, given the backstory of him going, Uh, all right, this is, uh, they're asking me to do yet another horrible movie. He's done a bunch of bad ones, like Pink Cadillac, and, I mean, they're not horrible, but, you know, they didn't go anywhere. Um, Pink Cadillac, Once Bit, and stuff like that. Um, So, at any rate, uh, he was like, well... The thing people really do like about me is my living color shit. Yeah. So I'm just going to put that on the big screen and like fucking throw it out there. And hopefully I will. People will go. This guy. Whoa. And uh, they did. And actually it got him uh, up to, you know, 20 million dollar uh, payments on on his next two movies. Yeah. So that was his plan. That was how it worked. And it didn't. Unfortunately, it didn't yield a very good movie. It yielded a series of skits. That are highly quotable and uh incontinuous. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, other than that, the movie's kind of a piece of crap. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm give it a C minus. All right.
2: C minus. Oh my wow. god. Wow. This was wow. Un- this was unexpected. But but I then Rob's grading
3: rubric looks different. His than is yours, weirder
2: than, than mine. mine so well, I mean all of our grading rubrics look different. Right. But I did not expect that. So what's the next bit?
1: Uh well we're probably gonna go split and do a game we're hoping to have the uh the lovely Melissa Fabregas in here um to do you know a couple games with us but she's not here yet and I haven't heard from her so uh, we'll record those a little bit later but we'll take a little break here to show you that
3: sounds good. We're so sorry we couldn't get the
0: actors to do the scene from this screenplay but we've got two studies and to be honest. They're probably more famous anyway, so Try to guess the actors, try to guess the movies Tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y couch This game called Understudy Is happening, happening, happening right
3: now Hello
1: Close the goddamn door, close it
3: Look at you, you're so proud You're like a kid who comes home from school Look, Dad, I got an F. Yeah, but
2: wasn't it funny? Yes, it was funny, Andy, it was.
1: Bwah. Bwah. Boah.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: it was funny for a little while, until the audience realized Tony wasn't you. So what have you have here? A big elaborate joke that's only funny to two people in the universe. You, and you.
1: Yeah, sure, George. And we happen to think that that's hilarious.
3: But what's the point? What is the point?
1: It's fun, George. Bwa! Oh,
2: (laughs) bwa!
3: How is this going to make you the biggest star in the world?
2: George, at this point the audience expects me to shock them at all times. But short of faking my death or setting a theatre on fire, I don't know what else to do. I've always gotta be one step ahead of them.
1: Boah. Boah. Boah.
3: Boah. No. I'm no, just British. Now I wanna hear you, boah. 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 That Bowers
0: understood. Tweet us your answer at C-A-R-N-Y-Cow
1: everybody that was a good version of uh understudy uh let's go ahead and do what's it all about
2: okay i'm i'm ready for this um so what i think it was supposed to be about is a detective movie and i'm going to take us in the way way back machine and uh tell you about how i felt watching this the first time i saw it which i was probably about nine or ten and one of the most probably the most memorable moment for me is him with the screen with the glass door sliding it going ah, 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 you know whatever like that that whole like screen door bit where he like just breaks this case wide open in front of everybody and it's like such a detective story moment. And that is the only part in the case, like, you know, yeah, there's the whole thing with, like, you know, he notices that the, that whoever did this must have had, like, the stone missing from their ring. That never comes back, other than that he can't find the person with the missing stone in their ring. You know, that doesn't ever come back. But he does do this brilliant bit of, of det- actual detective work where, you know, he points out to everybody on the scene that it... it the the person that that has this story could not have heard this person screaming with their door shut. So they had to hear it from inside. Um, And and that always really stuck out to me as a kid when I was watching this. So uh, at its core, what it's about is a detective movie. Now, it's absurd. Every other moment of detective work either gets dropped like a rock, excuse me, or... Well, there's the whole thing where he goes to every single...
1: player and there's he the does, whole thing then, where he goes he to his guy who's a hacker who can look up a, the info Yeah, there's
2: a brilliant moment of montage that doesn't amount to anything and they never come back to that other than he yeah he they can't, do he takes he the, the ring
1: off her finger at the end and like, goes there it is
2: yeah no he, i guess it does come back um but like that so like there's a lot of really cool kind of detective moments in this and this is what, what i took away from it as a kid um, and not the Reheheleys and the, you know, all righty thens and, right. you know, all this stuff that when I saw it just now, I was like, oh my God, I remember all this. And I could not tell you that was from Ace Ventura Pet Detective specifically. Really? Like it could have been any, any number of his movies that Uh-oh. he was doing this in. I guess. Uh, as far as I knew.
1: Well, I mean, there's a great. It was s- 10. Yeah. But there's a great <laughs> set. I mean, yeah, I guess I was,
2: you know, it's, they, they all bleed together. they. The, the, Anyway, um, but, but what's it all about? Yeah, it's a detective movie. It's not a very good one, but I think that the moments where it hits, like the, the moments that I found most memorable that I was reliving other than like the weird trans and homophobic stuff was those moments where he is actually a really good detective. So I like that. I like the moments where he's a good detective and it's not about his like catchphrases or comedy or him doing whatever the fuck weird Jim Carrey off the cuff bullshit he's doing it's him being a genuine detective and using that comedy to be that so he's using his his like comedic chops to open and close a door and you know he's doing that for reals like he's actually stopping uh, and st- yeah he's stopping and starting his voice the door's not actually doing that that's him. I'm sure of it. Also when they're when they're infiltrating the the uh, the psychiatric ward Actually, in the- and he like just does he does the like backwards thing and like falls down face first into a into a seat. You know, like this is this is all like brilliant undercover detective stuff that's just him being a comedic genius at the same time. And that's all of the stuff that I really really like about this movie. And at its core, it's supposed to be a detective movie, and that's what I think it's about.
1: Ah, well, there's also the um, I mean, a couple things is like it it actually does highlight the detective work. It's just that the all the character stuff is so over the top that it just falls by the wayside. Because yeah. I mean, he literally does first thing he does is go to like the metal club where he knows that his hacker friend is is behind there and he can look up anything and he looks up the guy and then he gets a date to the dinner. Yep. And then after that, then he finds the ring and then he goes, he puts two and two together with the ring and so he goes step by step, All right, gotta hit them bricks and like fucking talk to every single, you know, find every single person on the team and find the thing.
2: Yeah, no, at its its core he's doing a lot of really good detective work. The only time where it was like really weird was when he goes to the, the family's house and this This place that clearly people have been before, probably police, right? Um, don't notice that this kid clearly has has it out for, uh, you know, the player who didn't hold the the pigskins out with the the, whatever. Dan Marino. Yeah, yeah. He clearly has it out for Dan Marino, and like the fact that no, that this is the first time anybody right, yeah, noticed yeah. this. Yeah, as you pointed out, that's that's just ridiculous. Like nobody
3: noticed. Yeah, that is so nobody fucking thought that anybody stupid. might have like a it's freaking. It's so
2: dumb, but. You know, there's so many moments in this movie where, like, he's actually doing decent detective work. And I really remember that about it. And, like, it's it's it was getting bogged down for me watching this and, like, kind of having this, like, weird 90s nostalgia and going, why did people like this? What is he doing? This is really stupid. Or, I mean, there's the whole undercover swap at I'm the beginning is good. But at its core, there's a lot of really cool detective stuff going on. And I really like that. I'm done. Well, then. Yeah, I mean okay. I
1: agree I agree that it's it's on its face it's all about just a detective story where you know Jim Carrey gets to uh, have his uh his skits you know put in there so that anybody who didn't see it on living color because that's a, a, a I guess was a black demographic show because he's the only white guy on there he
2: was the white guy yeah
1: so maybe him getting to put it on the big screen made it so that Hey, white people can enjoy Jim Carrey, and hey, maybe they'll pay him twenty million dollars to do his shtick. And white then hey, white people
2: enjoyed Jim Carrey on *In Living Colors*. They though. did,
1: but, yeah, the, but uh, when him. I would my say, my dad loves. And, and how do our,
2: uh, both of our dads love *In Living Color*? What the Must hell? be the
1: flag. No, here's what it I, I say: flag. I did too, but but the Wayans Brothers comedy skit show was not aimed at white people, right?
2: I'm not sure that it wasn't. Eh,
1: okay, well.
3: Sketch comedy's for everybody.
1: Sketch yeah, comedy. I know. I
2: mean, and it was, like, in Living Color. My parents was, didn't like, like... Living Color I, I, was great! Are right. You, are you fucking kidding me? We have all of it.
1: My, <laughs> I know my parents and other parents in the community that I lived in did not like their kids watching in Living Color because of the Fly Girls and because of all the black people.
2: Are you kidding me? Wow. No, <laughs> I loved in Living Color. Now, it was hella 80s. Like, I could look back on this and go, why did people laugh at any of this? Because it's fucking 80s as shit. <laughs> But at the time, I fucking loved *In Living Color*. Look, I understand that it can. I was probably about seven.
1: I understand that but it can damn. be for everybody. But what I'm saying is that I don't think it hit that demographically as demographic as strongly as the Jim Carrey movies did. I think well, yeah. it really hit no, the demographic that's... that became his bread and butter when he started doing more dramatic kind of stuff and.
2: That's what's weird about it, too, and, like, I don't want to get too much into that. But it's just, like, you know, you have the one white guy on In Living Color, and then he's, like, bre- he's the breakout guy. Like, I don't know. That just troubles me. Anyway. It's my ahead, turn. Ahead, it's my turn. It's Brady's really? turn. Was I don't want to get into Okay. This. What, what's it all about? <laughs> um,
3: yeah. I'm mostly with Tess and Rob here. It is a detective story. And, and while I agree that, uh, you know, he does do some pretty decent detective work, I wouldn't call this... Special as a detective story. Uh, to put it in perspective, as I've been saying, this sentence, an episode of CSI Miami has been written, and is now being filmed. So it's not for me about that.
1: Well, if CSI something. Maybe not Miami. Just yeah, no. Maybe CSI, CSI, CSI
3: Vancouver. Or yeah.
2: CSI Animal. CSI districts. Peoria. I don't know. <laughs> um,
3: what it's about, honestly, I don't. and I don't normally break the fourth wall when I do a What's It All About segment, but it's about Jim Carrey. The movie <laughs> is about He's Jim Carrey. He's absolutely right. Um, it, and yeah, it is a summation of Carrey for good and bad, where I come from. Uh, it's him at the beginning of his days, as I said, as a leading man. Before that, uh, Rob, you're right, he did have some other roles, though I don't think they were prominent. and a lot of them weren't
1: leading roles. I think yeah, some of them were leads, but they never yeah. went anywhere.
3: And you know, he had his 11 color work, uh, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a look at him at the beginning of his days as a leading man, and it's a good prophecy to me of his days to come, his career to come, for both better and for worse. Uh, I, you know, it's a good summation of his ability to enliven, uh, to carry, and to kind of also overwhelm uh, <laughs> these Carrie. very. This <laughs> is Carrie. Yes, these these very manic, uh, frenetic comedies. Uh, you know, it's but never to entirely save them. I would say is mm. also my problem with a lot of Carrie's career, at least in this vein, I- mm. in the vein of this kind of comedy. Uh, and to me, the problem with Ace Ventura and its occasional saving grace is that it is the Jim Carrey show. It is him. Uh, and Rob uh, raised this when I forgot to. So thank you, Rob. The story behind this is that this was supposed to be, if not entirely dramatic, at least a more dramatic, uh, pulpy detective story that was written. And then Carrie and the director, Tom Shadiac, got their hands on it and rewrote it to fit Carrie's persona and to be uh, this more over-the-top performance that actually highlights what's ridiculous about the script and what's maybe ridiculous about any kind of sleazy, 80s-esque detective story. God,
2: Uh, could you picture that? And, you know, (laughs) and
3: I'll say as a film fan, I prefer the Carrie who occasionally dials himself down or at least focuses his comic intensity for movies like Man on the Moon or Eternal Sunshine. or *The Truman Show. Uh, But it is an excellent picture of of what Carrie is in his worst and best iterations is just this uh, very almost vaudevillian old school slapstick performer uh, (laughs) who. You know, at, at the very least, even if the movie sucks, and I can think of some other ones that I feel this way about, like Bruce Almighty, for example, uh, you're at least going to get Carrie giving utmost intensity to it. And, it, you know, maybe the problem at the end of the day is that too rarely does Carrie and the material actually connect in any kind of harmonious way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it almost becomes and this I guess I'll say this because uh, Car- Carrie, if you don't know, is a huge karaoke fan. It's almost like Carrie karaoke's these shitty films and makes them more entertaining and fun to watch than they would be because he's almost lampooning them with his own own comic intensity. Uh, So, Yeah. yeah, the movie's about Jim Carrey to me. It's about Jim Carrey's ability to completely take over a movie.
2: Wow. Yeah, I agree with that. I like that.
1: Uh should we go do like uh what are we gonna do this week? Are we gonna do plot lines or we're we gonna do metacritical?
3: Hmm, do we need more people to do plot lines? Uh we could all play uh, if we did Metacritical.
1: Yeah, okay, we'll do Metacritical. Okay. And then we'll come back and talk about some of the scenes maybe and some of the more controversial aspects of watching a nineties film try. out of time. Time.
3: Time. All
1: right. I'm Metacritical.
0: Rob's never gonna win. I'm Metacritical. Brady's the victor again. So it's time to play. I'm gonna lose today.
1: Metacritical, yeah, it's time. All right, everybody, welcome to Metacritical. This is uh, Rob Brady and Tess doing this round. We did Ace Ventura this week, so we're going to start with Scream. (laughs) Scream? Uh, Scream! Very good, Brady, very good. Uh, Okay, so Scream, I think it was pretty highly rated at the time, right? (laughs) I'm going to go with like an 82 for Scream.
2: 72.
1: 72 says Tess.
3: Hmm, yeah, that sounds more like it. I'll go. Let me go 74.
2: Wow, Bree's gonna win. These scream, though, the original scream.
3: I think Tess might win.
1: We have a 65.
3: Does win.
2: I win. Oh wow! Seven you, for Tess. Seventeen how do you score for me. This, right? You score it by like minusing it from the actual. Yeah, you yeah. take the score. absolute
1: value of the amount okay. of points above so or below. I have
2: the lowest. And then you add so them all I, up at the end. Okay, yeah. Okay.
1: And you go for golf scores.
2: Yeah, golf score. Lowest score wins.
3: All right, we go from there to as good as it gets.
2: Oh my goodness. Um. Wow. Okay, Good As It Gets is a life-changing movie for me. So I'm going to say that it, it's probably a 90.
1: Hmm. it was a critical darling. Had a great script. Uh, mode of production, a little bit below what I would like. Hmm. I'm going to go with an 86.
3: Okay. You're right. It did do well critically. Um, At the same time, it is a subdued kind of scripty character driven thing. I'm going to go with a 70.
2: Wow. I'm going to lose this one.
1: Wow.
3: That that sounds amazing.
2: 90 is going to lose on this one here.
1: We shall see. 67
2: what it had the best titular line of any titular line even marty going we have to go back to the future or whatever the fuck somebody said there's no better titular line as what if this is as good as it gets that fucking changed my life kids because that might be as good as it gets somebody starts crying when he says oh my god this movie is so good
1: Oh my god, I'm gonna be so good. So good. (laughs) Um, Leave me alone. (laughs) Sorry.
2: You showed me it, and then you tried to show me Scent of a Woman as though it was even close to as good?
1: Oh, we should check the score on it. (laughs)
2: Let's do Scent of a Woman! All right, Sin of a Woman, kids. I
1: think
3: we were going to do Stuck on You. Well, next. we can
2: play
1: six we'll movies.
2: Come on, man. Okay, Sin fine. Sin of a Woman here. It's right. coming Everybody's
1: up. cool with those up in the ante to six, yeah, six yeah. movies. We can Sin do Sin of a Woman,
2: kids. What was Sin of i I'm going to say it's a, sev- a 68. I feel real good about 68. Nine. 69. Sixty nine. I'm a Sin of a Woman.
1: I'm going to go with 67. I bet you it's exactly the same. (laughs) as as good as it gets. I'm going to go with
2: 69. Sin of a Woman,
3: 69. I'm going to go 59. Sin of a Woman sucks.
1: It is 59. You didn't see that on the screen, right? I didn't realize it it was predicting. No, I did not see it.
2: What? It was predicting Sin of a Woman? Wait, pull that up. Pull up actual Sin of a Woman here. You're fucking kidding me. Brady could not be exactly right.
1: He was exactly right. You didn't see. Precisely. No, I didn't see. I don't
3: cheat at Metacritical, man.
2: 59? Wow, Brady. Wow. Hua! Hua!
3: It was a 59! I hated that. That was too long a grade for all the acting I did.
0: -ah.
2: I hated that so much. Alright, okay, okay. Uh, Brady wins this extra round that I created for myself to lose. All right, wh- wh- what was next? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, what's the next one, Brady?
3: Next is Stuck on You.
1: Stuck on You, eh? 40 t- 48.
3: 48 <laughs> from Tesser. I don't even
1: know this movie.
3: It's the Fairleigh Brothers one with Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear. And it's the one that twins. Brady
2: tries to trick me into watching I try every to get single to watch time. because it's we so try and much better movie. Than people
1: think it is. I see. Um, what
2: did I say? Forty-eight. Yeah. Yeah, forty-eight. I'm sticking with it. All I'm right. Stuck on forty-eight.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, fifty-six.
3: Fifty-six. All right. I even think this is too low, but I'm gonna go with a sixty-seven.
2: pretty <laughs> loves it so much. She's like, I think this is too low, but let me be realistic. <laughs> it's not like
3: some like masterpiece. Sixty-two. It's.
2: Are did. you fucking kidding me?
3: No.
1: Rainey
2: still, didn't quite get it. Jesus criminy, how does this happen?
1: I've always been the furthest away on every one of these. I think
2: <gasps> you're only. I've furth- never been good at this. Well, game. you're not
3: furthest away. Uh, Tess is fur- furthest away. Thanks.
1: No, but I mean, overall, she is. But I think.
3: And you're only. Can we do
2: o- like Fern Gully or something?
3: There's not even going to be enough reviews to. It'll be weird.
1: Yeah. Okay. Right. So what's the next one?
3: The next one is Syriana.
2: Syriana.
3: Because the of the fuck Matt is
2: Syriana?
1: It it was um, it's it's a uh, George <laughs> Clooney. Right.
3: It's like the crash of oil. It's just like oil touches all of our do lives. You,
2: do you mean all this um, drama
3: because of oil? I'll
1: go to a Wha- *Flat 80*. No, there was
2: a there was a movie like that that was about that, but. What the fuck was, was that movie? Siriana. It was real No, it wasn't Syriana. It was real weird. Like the King's Men or something like that. Oh. We, three kings. Three kings, right?
3: Uh three kings was about the Iraq Gulf War. War. Yes, War. it w- but it
2: was about it was about oil. Gold.
3: It was about gold. It was
2: about oil, my friend. Like, we three
3: kings be
2: stealing
3: the gold.
2: No, it was about oil. They go there's to a, find some gold. There's a whole scene about oil. Whoa. Well, yeah,
1: it is the, sure the Gulf War. Yeah.
3: I'm sure there's some oil in it.
1: Yeah, because Dan There's Carlson
2: but it's about in them in going in to find some buried gold. Yeah, 3 Kings is a weird movie. David anyway, that's not what we're talking about. What well, what are we talking about? Seriana? Siriana? Something I've I have never seen Siriana. I think I
1: saw it. I think it was highly rated at the time. I I, I didn't find it to be that good, but uh, I'll give it an 80.
2: Um was it good? What I, I don't know. I give it a 72. I don't. I've never seen. It this. was
3: pretty okay, but it was. It got swept up in that like, crash style plus politically relevant. It's <laughs> like, oh man, and like all these lives are connected because of the oil and stuff. But George Clooney you sound won like an home Oscar. Star, really.
2: party, he did it? no. He <laughs> sounded like. No, everything is connected because of like the oil and stuff. And also, I am. I am strong. Bad.
3: George Clooney stole Paul Giamatti's supporting actor Oscar for this movie. Uh, because I Kennedy just got think that
2: maybe before. there's some things that you haven't considered strong bad
3: okay, okay so uh, Brady's turn yeah. uh, 76 Okay.
2: I'm sad that I'm flying
1: 76 but so what'd you guess 78 I guess, I guess 72 oh, okay. god damn it that's two bullseyes for Brady and one go thing Alright, he so has more. pretty
2: much looked at all these before, so he's not really cheating, but he's kind of cheating.
3: I'm sure I've seen it before in my past. Oh,
1: broken, flowers. Broken, broken Flowers. Broken Flowers
2: is the next one. Ooh, I love this movie. Um, I really don't know how this website works, but I'm gonna say it got an 81.
1: I think it was underrated. Although a lot of people gave it 5 stars. So, the star rating system. I'm going to go with 90 to see if I can make up some points.
3: Mm, Let's see. Brady will go with a 78.
1: Okay. Playing it safe there. Pilgrim. Pompey.
3: Uh, That's a Jim Jarmusch movie there, Pompey. He's popular with those indie people.
1: 79.
2: Oh my god, Brady. Pretty off by one. How the fuck are you so good at this?
1: Dude, I, I don't know. Pompey? <laughs> Alright, what's the last one?
2: I don't understand the, the things you
1: choose one to be.
3: Is <laughs> Michael
1: Clayton. Because of Tilda.
2: 100!
1: Seriously? I mean, it's a really good. Yeah. Movement, why the
2: fuck not? Whatever. My parents loved it. Michael, Michael Clayton. Awesome. One hundred.
3: Michael, motherfucking. I give
2: up on this game. One hundred to everything. You're clipping the fuck out of your mic. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Before you also, I'm in. so
2: white that you need to just like counterbalance my whiteness.
1: I did, but you were leaning back, and now you're leaning. Forward. Give us Clayton.
2: Give us Clayton. Wait,
1: I haven't said yet.
3: No one has except Tess.
1: Tess said one hundred, I'll say ninety, you say what?
2: I said hundred because I give up.
1: Eighty two. <laughs> All right, well Tess
2: wins the worst. That
1: was that was metacritical to every everybody. Uh you. should i cringe the numbers yeah i guess do it real quick i guess
2: All tell right. us who lost worst talk than you. amongst
3: yourselves
1: it's is your Brady d- cheats it's the toki doki like for like the same thing as doki doki panic or no
2: toki doki means sometimes
1: tess is wearing a shirt that says toki doki
2: i am wearing a shirt that says toki doki but i think it means sometimes i just
1: look at it and go doki doki panic
2: doki Also known as Mario 2.
1: That's exactly correct. (laughs) Now I have to (laughs) lean (laughs) level. You crunched numbers yet? (laughs) Yes. What are they?
3: Yes. Uh, I counted them backwards, and Tess was kind of maybe going to win for a second, but then she ran into a hard number with that, as good as it gets. Uh, So... Tess got a negative 82. Rob got a negative 73. I got an 20.
2: Negative. You got a positive 20? I got a negative 20. Negative. This guy, I, th- I think he cheats.
1: There's no such thing as a negative 20. Oh, whatever. That's Metacritical for the week. Let's get back to the cast.
2: I'm just going to eat the microphone.
1: A Metacritical! You. Hey, everybody, we're back from uh, Metacritical. Going to talk about some individual scenes. Uh, Br- Brady, what was the funniest thing to you?
3: The funniest thing by far is... <laughs> Let's see that in your replay. <laughs> 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 you, I, no, the best me. is
1: that he sits down and, like, does the reverse of, like, what he was saying beforehand. The talking
3: yeah. is the funniest part to me.
1: <laughs> no, but, I mean, like, the fact that he gets down, da- like, he does, the, he, like he, he does this whole preface of being like, I'm going to show you what it's like doing a super fast and a super slow-mo. And he does it, and he goes, like, let's do that in an instant replay. But he goes all the way back to before when he was sitting down when he said, I'm going to show you. And he was sitting there waiting for them to address him. Like... So (laughs) yeah, it's like breaking the the reality. Like he created a reality construct and then (laughs) broke it. And like when he was rewinding, he rewinded past the reality construct that he had created and pushed it into this reality. Yep. Which comedically is is gold. And that
2: was uh, one of the funniest moments. Yeah.
1: And then there's the part where you were talking about where like he, he like enacts this thing to like knock himself out yeah so because he, it's like the storage room so he just like drops it and knocks himself out right there
2: yeah uh, right onto a table and it's like the sound effect whatever the foley artist was doing was like way louder than whatever probably right. happened because when you look at that sofa thing like i'm sure it maybe was like painful ish to like hit your head on that yeah, but it's slap still, the still pretty, pretty padded ship, huh?
3: uh-huh. slap the carnivore. pretty pretty sure that's him he makes the sound of
2: maybe he does but it's like through
3: a lab mic he's
2: still doing the foley for it even if that is him like it's still a really loud like disconcerting Mm -hmm. you know kind of like Mm -hmm. sound that and when you look at what he's like laying his head down on it's kind of pretty padded and he could pro you could probably just go
3: Uh,
0: like i
2: could (laughs) ow (laughs) okay well i laid my head down on maybe there was a mic inside i don't know (laughs) do it
1: again Ow. That's head banging. Excuse me, it's Greg here. Yeah. Thank worst, you.
2: Where's Foley? Um. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was really great, and he kind of uses that as like you know a way to get inside the room, and yeah, just I'm out for the count kind of a bit.
1: Yeah, so that's a good um, one.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that was one yeah. of
1: the things that I imitated when I was a kid too. The blue forty-two, blue forty-two, hut hut, and then you just like fall on the ground. <laughs> Yeah. See, this is
3: what I'm saying. All the best stuff's in that asylum. There's yeah,
1: that, but th- there's I mean, also the montage where, like, he's like, um, tr- looking at all the rings. Yeah, and they have all the jokes like the so good like the one that they keep cutting back to where he's trying to chase the guy down that he and can't like, catch up with. He just, can't catch up with him, and then he finally does catch up with him. And chloroform the him. No, but the guy looks at him and goes like, "Oh fuck, no, you're not catching up to me." And it's just like <laughs> just starts double timing him, and until like the third time, he has to chloroform him. <laughs>
2: It's yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's actually pretty fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, no, like there are a
0: few comedians. He
2: can't he knows he can't catch this guy. And it's like all of these people are tremendous athletes. And that's part of the joke is like he's just like little wormy Jim Carrey. And he's like interacting with all these people who could beat the crap out of him at all times.
1: <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> he does. And he the does joke. the whole thing where like, the, you know, he has him punch him in the face.
2: Yeah. And he comes up and looks all, like, fucked up at some point. Yeah, it's pretty good. Well,
1: I think when he comes up and looks up at fucked up. Okay, so I was always confused as to whether or not that was, like, he'd been punched in the face by that many rings to check yes. out the thing. But then I realized, I think it's actually that he put a bunch of, like, pimple stuff on his face to look like a young guy.
3: Oh, yeah, that's the pimple
2: thing. Is that what the joke yeah, is? I thought it joke. was that he had been beat up. He gives, no. like, a dorky
3: thumbs up, like,
2: oh, I'm a big fan of why didn't he do that at the at the family house then?
3: It's just it's a because it wants to do a different to. comedic bit for each sure. one, Yeah,
2: right. Yeah, no, I get it. Okay, no, okay, okay, I mean, okay, okay. Like a lot of these
1: things, and I think I think what explains for it being so hit and miss and having so so many gems that are just like kind of standalone is that like whatever way this was written when they were rewriting it or whatever, it probably wasn't done like a writer going like I'm gonna write all these jokes. It was like either him bouncing it off of who you said uh, what was the name of the guy who he, he reworked the script with, uh,
3: Tom Shadyac, who's the director.
1: Yeah, and I bet you they had a couple ancillary rewriter kind of guys come in and like write bits, mm. and like they would decide whether or not you know like a sketch comedy thing. I I'm sure that Jim Carrey, having done that enough, probably knew some guys who did that, and yeah. there was just or just he talking about the movie that he's doing, and then so somebody said, well, what about this for a bit? So I mean I'm sure that a lot of the like kind of non momentous feeling to it is is a product of that as well which I mean is a lot is how a lot of this stuff is written I mean if you think about every Rob Schneider film or whatever like it's it's like yeah and then we have this scene where like uh he's got a dick on a, she's got a dick on her face and then it like comes in the soup or something isn't there a Rob Schneider movie where like
3: well yeah I mean the this <laughs> This thing's DNA is in a great many Happy Madison production movies, (laughs) Uh, which is like and it's honestly it's better than those at least because I don't actively hate this movie. In fact, I'm trying hard to like this. What movie.
1: are you talking about? I like Billy Madison. I like Happy Gilmore. I do, okay. and I, I don't find two. any I just of them like to have the moments exactly I
2: like as troubling as some but of. But Billy Stephen Madison is. goes
3: its own way. Be- walks to the beat of its own drummer.
1: Yeah, Billy Madison's a really weird, sort of a, obscure, like almost Dadaist, like w- like yeah. yeah. The gets, dumb
3: sandal yeah. you see now is this movie's right.
1: DNA, and that's yeah. just I don't have no, to try. I mean, that's not exactly. Blah that blah blah, not. and I don't think that's where Jim Carrey's ever going to go. I don't think Jim Carrey. He just, tries
2: very hard. I
1: don't think Jim Carrey's ever going to do anything that he doesn't want to try at, right? Where like that's where we get that. So I, Adam I think,
2: Sandler just wants to go to cool locations exactly in the same way that uh, Woody Allen does. Yeah. My vacation maybe, plus I, comedy, maybe.
1: Right. Well, I get that for Sandler. I don't know if I understand that for Allen, but
2: oh, he totally does.
1: But I mean, like, what's the movie he shot last year?
2: Yeah, it's like um, I Love Rome. Right, where did it take place? Woody Allen. Woody Allen. No,
1: he shot uh, uh, the one with uh, Kate Blanchett.
2: Yeah, where where did that take place?
1: That's in San Francisco.
2: Oh yeah, no, that takes place in Marin. It's called "I Love Marin." Uh, The (laughs) Blue
3: Jasmine isn't so much guilty of yeah. uh, He really
2: loves places. Yeah, no. And uh, Marin is beautiful.
3: Quite. No, it's a strength of his. Like uh, he has yes a fascination with locations. Little kids. You know, New York is a character in his New York films. He does make Location a character. We're on Woody Allen now, somehow. Okay.
1: Yeah. B- okay, um, but so anyway, what I'm saying is I was, I was drawing issue with your earlier thing about saying, like, that um, when you mentioned Sandler and you said it, uh, it might s- say something about Jim Carrey's past and future. I don't think Jim Carrey's ever going to have a future where he's just going to do something stupid to get paid.
3: Well, when I said that what I mean is like for better and worse, Jim Carrey does a lot of movies that aren't that good on their own and he 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 almost seems to take pride in like industriously propping up these shitty properties like Bruce Almighty and like, you know,
1: just Bruce Almighty wasn't bad though. I think Bruce Almighty's terrible. a bad movie. Oh, okay. I
2: didn't think so. Yeah, horrible, uh, Bruce Almighty was bad, but Evan Almighty was way worse.
1: Yeah, Evan Almighty was bad.
2: I mean, they're not like all I
1: like I'm. I'm the bad. one with the harshest grading rubric. E- I'm
2: going Evan like Almighty was apocalyp- so so bad. apocalyptically bad.
3: I didn't see that one. I, he- I heard that was terrible. Yeah, it was, it was
2: bad. so bad. But it no was I'm all. It was not only poop jokes. It was bird poop jokes. Like I'm sure Rob. I can't will imagine anything worse.
3: Rob. Rob will probably step in to defend maybe some of these, but I just mean like kind of. Not that they're like terrible, terrible, but just like fun with Dick and Jane. Just sort of just not particularly distinctive. And it's almost like, but that is Jim Carrey. It's like, well, I'm the brand here. It's not the movie. It's it's my physical comedy. I'm what you're here to see. It's not about these low-grade scripts.
1: Right. But, I mean, like, does The Grinch fit in that category? No. Yes. Because that was yes. all m- makeup and, like, there wasn't that much Jim Carrey. In it. Like, he had his couple moments, but it was just kind of like whatever, and then it was just did all about the makeup and the Did you see who's. that?
2: Because I want to say did. that I didn't see Wasn't that. it
3: based a lot on Jim Carrey improv? Mm.
1: I don't know. I guess I kind of blocked it out.
2: How do you, yeah, how do you, I, I never saw How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Mm. However, I can't imagine anything being more charming than the book.
1: I remember a lot of it just being based on the Who's, and there was a William H. Macy character who had a, a pretty strong B-plot line, and And like that, there was a lot of it. You
2: build something out of that.
1: And that there just wasn't a lot of Jim Carrey. And it was like Jim Carrey being the Grinch for like a scene. Oh, the Grinch is in his lair. And then there was like all this stuff about Whoville and the Who's and blah, blah, blah. And then another scene with Jim Carrey. It was kind of like him as the Riddler in Batman Forever. Like, there wasn't that much Jim Carrey because most of the movie was focused on something else.
2: Well, if we're going to talk about Jim Carrey movies that we liked. I want to talk about how the mask held up for me. I think we're actually
1: right. going to
3: get to a segment where we get to do that, just FYI. Oh, are we? Our, ra- our rank it this Seems week like we're talking is about that. going to be our favorite Right, well we can
1: let it flow how it was. What? I guess maybe we can get back to scenes. We can talk about the elephant in the room. There are two scenes oh yeah, which yeah, are yeah. very okay. transphobic. So, my, well, my
2: I, elephant in the room. Well, let me, um, let me just,
1: let's just go with the, the one where he finds out that Einhorn is... Um Finkel. was a man. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn.
2: Yes. So um, Einhorn kisses him at some point and she's doing this very masculine performance, I think. And um, I remember I, I wanna I wanna come in with this saying that like this entire review is something that I'm <sighs> coming at from having seen it as a nine or ten year old with my parents. Right. And um I was very, very confused about why everyone was so upset with having kissed this woman who used to be a man. And I tried to get my parents to explain that to me, and they were kind of, "Eh, eh." I don't know, it's just funny, it's just funny because she used to be a man. And I was going, I don't really know why, I'm a little confused and upset by this. And um, I still feel confused and upset by the fact that everyone was reacting so abrasively to the fact that they kissed a woman that used to be a man um and uh, I don't know like it it just whether or not you think that this person is an actual trans person I think that it still has a lot of like troubling implications like okay women uh women that used to be men um are won't tell you that and they're also real slutty and they uh, just really want to make men insecure I don't really know what the fuck was going on with this movie but that whole bit makes me really angry and upset and so there's that
1: and I can see that and coming from my perspective when I was a kid and like the whole um, okay so the whole like him just like getting totally grossed out and like the I, well OK. Uh, so I'll start from where when I was a kid and I'll go to where where I looked at it when I saw it this time. But when I was a kid, you know, being a boy as a kid and being in locker rooms. And so there's a lot of homophobic rhetoric t- to the point where you become numb to it. Like, to the point where, like, you know, in fourth grade, we're playing a game called Smear the Queer. The Queer is the person who has the ba- ball, and you tackle them, and you push them into the mud it's in as horrific a way as possible in order to incentivize think them. think I
2: didn't play that? Right,
1: but in order to incentivize <laughs> them to, to re- you know, relinquish the, the ball. Uh, if you're in a locker room changing into PE clothes, basically, uh, if you're the one who's considered the most femmy of, of the group, you get shoved in the lockers and, and beat up. People snap towels at you. People steal your shorts. People say, oh, look, he's running around in his underwear. He's a queer, blah, blah, blah. Like, all that shit, right? So when you see, like, sort of that mirrored in pop culture, you go like, oh, yeah, that's normal. That's just what it is. Like, you know, because you grow up with that. And, you know, you haven't really dissected what, like, as a – especially not as a – what was I, 11 when I saw this? But um, – you know, even at 15, Nine, I, ten, 11. I was 11. Um, but when I was looking at it, I wouldn't have seen it and gone, you know, I, I wouldn't have understood that because, you know, at, like every time you're at a, a pool and like, you know, you can't swim as far as somebody fag like, you know, that's just it. That like that was just the culture around you. And so when you saw it, you didn't think you went, oh, of course, of course, somebody's going to It's it's a joke. It's a big thing. It's a blah, blah, blah. Right. So that's how I looked at it when I saw it then. When I looked at it now, I went like, wow.
2: Yeah. If
1: you make a joke about that and you basically just the idea of juxtaposing a joke of like, oh, my God, I kissed a man. And then taking a plunger and sticking it on your face and that being less gross yeah.
2: is so no, over the top. Everything that he does is insane. It's so
1: over the top. And I'm not crediting the writers with it. But just looking at it in like in an indexical sense, it's just like sure. that is so over the top that it's like it's comical that anybody would ever think that
2: i don't know if that was the intention with the writing. i I absolutely don't think it wasn't the
1: intention with the writing i absolutely don't believe that that is possibly at all the intention with the writing but i when i look at it now like
2: and thank you so much for bringing back locker room memories for (laughs) me by the way
1: sorry like but (laughs) i I am explaining
2: girls had their had their shoes put in the toilet too
1: well, we didn't really have us put in the, anything put in the toilet, like.
2: Yeah, some girls put their some girls put my shoes in the toilet because I had man, deodorant in my locker. Thank you. That sucky. happens. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's a lot of sucky shit that goes on with, with all that stuff. But I mean, putting this in the place of all of that. I can see how that's a big joke and it's just whatever because people joke about things that they're uncomfortable with and society was very uncomfortable at that time with this particular And still subject. is
2: and maybe in a different way now, but yeah.
1: It's a lot more out there now. And I mean, and there's an interesting thing. It's like, basically, if uh, and then going on to the scene, uh, so we talked about the, the, he finds out he's a man and he like uh, brushes his teeth a whole bunch, chews the whole tub of toothpaste uh, t- puts a plunger on his face and then choose the giant, most ginormous wad of bubble gum you've ever seen. And then yeah. later on when they chose everybody else and gets everybody else to find out that she's a man, everybody has theoretically kissed her, yeah. so they're all spitting. Yeah, uh, they're all gagging. Right. Yeah. And they're all gagging and spitting. and are just so, so totally grossed out. And there are two ways to look at this. One is that you yeah. can look at this as this person identifies as a trans person. The other way is that you can look at it as somebody – who doesn't identify as a trans person. Regardless of that, when you interpret it as a person, you if if you understand the context or if it's confusing to you or something like that it, or if if someone were to identify as trans or queer or in you know any alternative sexuality other than male and female and blah blah blah. Straight right. straight. Yeah, straight and straight. Um then, you know, it's basically, like, trans-shaming. It's, it's, it's yes. like, this trans person is, is a slut. She slept with everybody and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it could also be, like, this and is And she a,
2: lied, and she's gross. And she lied, and, also, and she's gross, and all those things. Also, this is wrong.
1: But it could, And also, this is wrong. But it could also be that this person's a crazy person who doesn't know who she is. And the fact that it equates those two things is very yes, problematic. Yes, it
2: does equate those two things. And that's the other problem. It's, like, you know, you can say, like, oh, well, this is just a crazy person that, like, you know, doesn't stand in terms of, like what a queer person is or what a, a trans person is or any kind of thing like that. But then when, when you look, especially if you're looking at it in terms of the nineties, the, the representation is so little that you kind of take what you can get. And if you, right. if you identify with anything that is in that spectrum, you kind of go crazy. You're, oh, slutty, you're, you're oh disgusting. God, you're gross, how can right. I, how can I possibly feel about this? Like, okay. So if, if this person is a crazy person, then what the fuck am I supposed to think? Right. No, that's very, very troubling. Yeah, and this it's very movie that, that mo- this movie really did, and like I, I I went in knowing that this was there and brought it up actually while we were talking about it before watching, and it. It was like it really has some troubling implications about trans people and homophobia and all this stuff, and it's just like that's still there. That really is yeah. upsetting to me.
1: And it, yeah, it's very upsetting. And. I, I would say that the general climate of pop culture. I mean, this isn't an outlier. It's not like this one sticks no, out it's like so. No, it's not an outlier. Thumb. This this is exactly what every fucking '90s movie was in terms of of grotesque comedy. If or it blah, was blah, blah, going
2: blah. to mention that kind of thing, like it's like, hur, hur, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you oh, you didn't know it was a man the right. whole time. Exactly. Like fuck, what the f- exact fuck? I'm Welcome sorry. To
1: 1994. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and it's like nobody understands how trans people were. I don't know, what the fuck! I'm so mad.
3: <laughs> yeah. Now the problem <laughs> is, I think, and I, and I've thought about Rob's perspective because what we were debating going into this was how much of this might be subversive critique. How much it's of the not over- I, I never critique. thought any oh, of it was
1: subversive on. critique. I just thought it could be looked at in that Hold on, hold on. Let me ah. talk for a second. Okay. Go ahead. Okay.
2: Go uh, ahead. Uh, Sorry. Thank
3: you. I appreciate that. Uh, but but you don't know, put no words d- in my mouth that
2: I didn't say on the mic. Hey, we hey, hey. We no, no. We Bottom? talked
3: about the, uh-huh. the possibility that maybe at least the over-the-top nature in which it's portrayed might be at least casting light on the fact that people do tend to get hyperbolic about this kind of stuff, especially back in the 90s. Uh, uh, but my problem is in a movie that's all about Jim Carrey – Kind of over the topishly. And
2: <laughs> always being right, by the way, uh, <laughs> as you're probably about to say.
3: No, I'm uh, going to say about Jim Carrey over the topishly critiquing the ridiculousness of pulpy detective stories that's all about critique by way of just going so, 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 so far. I didn't find any of that when it came to uh, <laughs> the portrayals of trans people. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the other problem I found is that. Whereas in a more muted movie, maybe, this over-the-top reaction could have come off subversive. In the case of a movie like this, it's just in keeping with the rest of the film. Right. Yeah. Everything is at, like context, at this yeah. tenor. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, everything is pitched at the same very, like, over-the-top manic tenor. So that, to me, it didn't come over, off as critique at all. And the problem is, even after that, like, you have people... Yeah, it goes further. Right? Yeah, it goes further.
1: Here's and the, that's where the, it gets really problematic.
2: Is The other thing that, and uh, maybe you were going to say this, but, like, the other thing that made me really uncomfortable while Maddie was watching it with us and, like, we both kind of looked at each other and were really deeply uncomfortable by it is that because he suspects that this person not necessarily committed a crime, I don't know, we can debate this, but he suspects that it used to be a man, so just starts... Ripping her clothes off in front of an entire room full of people. And just like, well, you know, a woman, you know, if it was a woman, she wouldn't have this. And like tries to pull her hair off. And, you know, she's got real hair because people have real hair. And then goes, okay, well, that's on there real good. And then, you know, rips her shirt down and revealing that she has actual boobs. And then goes, okay, well. And then rips her. pants or skirt or whatever she's wearing off. off. Rips her skirt off, and, you know, she's standing in such a way. And it looks like she's just a woman standing there in her underwear, and that's totally okay because he's trying to out her as a trans person. Well, I don't
1: think it really looked okay, and it didn't seem okay, and it was very problematic. Everyone was...
2: No, and here's the the thing, is everyone was looking at him like, oh, my God, you're ripping this woman's clothes off, sort of, except it's kind of okay. And then... You Where's know, the they kind of reveal okay part it the in? the kind of okay part is that it was kind of okay for him to do that as long as he had an end in mind that was being revealed. Uh, but
1: I think it okay. I think at the part where he tears her skirt off, and it's it's kind of clear, like it's not it's clear to us because we've seen the movie. But I think at that part, it's just like, oh, dude, you are so fucked. You just fucked everything up. But
2: I'm, it, but like, it, but, it, but, it, but 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 it implies it implies that if this person is a trans person. You can rip their clothes off to reveal that in front of everybody and it's okay. And that is fucking right. not okay. But,
1: uh, no, that would... You would've... can't
2: rip anybody's clothes off in front of anybody without their okay. Right. I don't care what kind of crime they committed. That's fucking bullshit.
1: Right. And that's not okay, but in the terms... There is
2: no situation in which that's okay.
1: Right. I agree. And but...
2: I didn't think it was funny either.
1: Okay. But what I was going to say is... And this doesn't make it okay, and it's not okay in either way. But it's not solely because he thinks it's a trans person.
2: He thinks they committed a crime, and he's, that he's, he's trying to—he's trying to, to, out he's trying them to as prove a...
1: the person who committed the crime. For right. fuck's yes.
2: sake, like, put the cuffs on her then. Right. I don't fucking know. This wasn't funny to me, and it made me really uncomfortable. It made me really
1: uncomfortable too. But I mean. It's not, not
2: the nineties. <laughs> okay,
1: but it's also not isolated to just he thinks she's a trans person. It's not like I think this person's a trans person, therefore I can do this. But right? it, in,
2: but but here's here's the thing. Here's in, the thing. Okay, so it, right. it, it doesn't equate to like this is a trans person, it also equates to like I'm uh, in a medicine. sense, I'm ripping the clothes off of a sexy woman.
1: Right. No, all those things are wrong, but you do understand that you you can't just isolate that it's just that.
2: No, I'm also isolating as I'm ripping the clothes off of a sexy woman.
1: Right, but it's not just I'm ripping the clothes off a sexy woman. It's not just I'm ripping the clothes off a trans person.
2: There's right. some kind it's of plot this person device committed, that allows it. This person it.
1: committed a crime, and not then really also though. these two things happened.
2: Fuck the police.
1: Right, but it's not like it's just doing it for. It's not like this person's a trans person. I'm going to rip her clothes off. I'm I'm just it's framing
2: trouble. It is very troubling,
1: and I understand that, but I just want to make sure that it's within context of this troubling thing, this troubling thing, and this also troubling thing that People's is unrelated... Not
2: okay thing to do. ...that
1: is unrelated to the other two things, though.
2: I don't know, Rob. That whole moment... There's no reason that should ever happen in real life.
1: I agree. And I know it's a
2: comedy, I, but still, it's troubling.
1: I agree with all those things. I think it's very troubling. I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's appropriate in any sense. But I don't think that it's fair to frame it as it was because it was a trans woman or it was because it was a woman.
2: But it's because of one or both of those things.
1: or And the third one. Yeah,
3: the one thing where I don't necessarily, necessarily agree with you guys, uh, if I see it in this alternate way for me, actually even makes this movie even more troubling and Juvenile, is that uh, you guys have this interpretation that everyone throws up because uh, they kissed her. Which is already troubling. Yeah. Uh, I think it's even less creative and interesting than that. I think they just see the penis in the back of her pants, and
2: that's the only reason. And that's it. And that's even worse. Well, and and I—that's actually my interpretation. I'm going to put myself in the way back machine and tell you that my interpretation was always that everyone is puking because they had kissed her. Because because they had kissed her. Mine
1: too. That
2: was was always my interpretation. I mean, that's troubling, but at least
3: more interesting. I. I don't know, though, guys. But
2: the they time just period. see they just see a penis in the back of a woman's pant, yep. panties. And yes, like, sir. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that's more troubling than... <laughs> that
2: is more... That, well, I don't know what's more fucking troubling. They're it's both all troubling. troubling. It's this all is bad. All, this, is a, this This yeah, movie <laughs> has a terrible fucking ending. Yeah. And I don't like it. I do not like this ending. Yeah. C-plus for the comedy and F for everything fucking else.
1: Right. I was always very uncomfortable. And
2: the, well, like... like the detective work a little bit
1: well I was always <laughs> I was always very uncomfortable with that ending and actually a lot of times I watch this movie I didn't stay in for the ending but I mean I never really understood why until I watched it just now because I haven't seen it and uh but it's interesting too because Maddie and I watched it about six years ago and I don't think any of this came up right which means that that means either A, the times are changing, or B, you know, what I choose to interact in and what uh, the sort of things that I choose to critique and the way I choose to view things are changing. Let's just
2: watch The Mask. Well, we what we're watch saying tonight.
3: is uh, by all means watch Ace Ventura just don't pay attention
2: I know yeah watch Ace Ventura <laughs> for the re- Healy's he- and the alrighty then he sure does and like to call really people losers okay but Liz look I understand how troubling is it is look
1: I understand how troubling it is for you but I think that despite the fact that it's troubling we should still be able to talk about it without just going this is horrible I can't even
2: I can't even though Okay. Do you know what it's like to not be able to can even?
1: Yes. But <laughs> for the purposes of this podcast, I have numbed my emotions. Leave
3: Tumblr out of
2: this, guys. <laughs> How to even a dummy's guide.
1: Yes. Numb yourself to all emotion. <laughs> so,
2: d- If I could just even, then Benedict Cumberbatch wouldn't exist.
3: Does anyone want to play a game?
2: Yes.
1: Uh I, I think we did both Love our games. All of this. Did we?
2: No. Yeah, we did understudy
1: and and we, do understudy. and we did Metacritical. Uh we did understudy in between uh what's it all about and um and uh, I mean, hey, how do we like it? And what's it all about?
3: All right. Well, then I, w- I was saving this for the <laughs> end cuz this wouldn't make sense. I, I knew we were going to talk about this whole
1: this was going to come. Th- and right. this is
3: like this is like a shitty frozen in this way. Like, you know how Frozen just decides to end without any of the whimsy or music? Uh, I really like Frozen, yes. but, like, it's... Is Ventura just decides to end with nothing but, like, back-ass words as Well, okay, wait, politics. wait, wait.
1: Let, wait, let's just, yeah, let's just take a break from it that. It just ends with that. No, we're, let's take a break from that. We're going to do, we're gonna do a, a, a segment that's a little more enlightening, and we'll come back with what we're going to do next week and, and, you know, final thoughts if we have them. Yeah, no,
3: I I, well, I do have a final thought I want to get into.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. So l- let's do a little more whimsical segment, and we'll be right back with that.
3: Okay. Well, we did warn you that we were going to maybe take the knife to your favorite little childhood piggy wig. And it's not been easy to do uh, because I had many car trips watching what I thought was a delightful movie at the time. And and it's just part of the nature of movies that some of them don't age as well. Mm. But I would like us to go out at least with a fond farewell to Ace Ventura Pet Detective Everyone do a favorite impression from the movie.
1: Yes, Satan. <laughs>
3: Holy testicle Tuesday.
1: Whoosh, dumb
3: boy. All right. That'll do. So, gentle people. Rob. Hello. Hello. Tessa, we live together. I That's love cool. you. cool. I love you. Uh, hold on. I'm getting a stupid call. I need to not take I that need to wait for, it to, to wait it, for it to go away. <laughs> right,
2: because you can't, they can't know that you didn't that?
1: want the call. Cl- yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to just act like you were your <laughs> you mom's going to be
2: like,
3: yeah, he might <laughs> still pick up. I'm sorry. I'm in the middle of a podcast. I'll call it later. All right. So, people, suffice to say, I don't think Ace Ventura. Has much, of any, value as critique or satire of any kind. Mm. Beyond, of course, Carrie's lampooning of sleazy pulp detective stories. Yet, here we have spent some time discussing uh, important social issues such as otherness and sexuality. And that's all because we've seen this movie. Uh, and I feel the same way about other movies, namely this year's Gone Girl which has gotten the country talking about marital expectations and media oversaturation in spite of the fact that I don't feel it particularly is insightful about any of those subjects. Uh, Tessa, I'm sorry, I kind of feel the same way about Birdman and its take on the cheapening of celebrity. So my question is this. If a problematic and flawed film gets people talking about an important issue, even if the movie itself really only pays the barest of lip service to that issue, how much should you credit the film for that? How much do we credit Ace Ventura for the fact that we're talking about important issues of uh, sexuality
1: right now? Not at all, because I mean, like the confusion that Tess experienced, and and the uh, the looking at it and going like, oh, well, that's kind of ridiculous that you know it would be more acceptable to stick a plunger on someone's face than like kiss a man. uh, That doesn't have anything to do with the film as it was written. The film was probably Mm -hmm. not written with either of those things in mind. But basically, what it is is just. It's the viewer looking at it and looking at it and kind of going like, oh, what the fuck? This does not fit with any. This is so weird. This is wrong. This is it's it doesn't fit. That, that's I think that who gets the credit
2: that it's important to look at things in retrospect. Um, but some things are built to want you to look at them in retrospect. I think um, Birdman is one of those things that wants you to look at it in retrospect. I don't think that Ace Ventura is setting itself up to want you to like review your thoughts on trans people or the LGBT community or anything like that. It's just kind of setting it up that I just find that to be gross. I'm sorry that it's gross. And like that's the way that you're supposed to view it. And it's funny that it's gross. And, like, that's, that's the whole thing that the movie is doing, and I find that really troubling. And I don't think it's asking any questions, and, you know, a lot of movies do, and I can appreciate that. Like, even if they ask the questions in the wrong way, at least they're asking you questions. Whereas this movie just isn't doing that. It's just 90s joke bullshit.
3: Wait, I, I agree. As I said, I don't think this particular movie... Uh, has any kind of really critique on its mind. I but don't think there any of us do. There, but there is a line. But it, it's interesting me to me because it still has gotten us having an important discussion. So yeah. I just wondered at what point I- is... How much value do we give a movie just for Asking a question versus actually having An interesting take on said question
1: Regardless of whether, what whether or not it was asking trying to Ask the question it gets no, no benefit Whatsoever it's the discussion that occurs Afterwards that gets all the benefit All the other Yeah thing. but asking the discussion
3: those are your words Not the movies
2: Well right. asking a question is one thing but Ace Ventura doesn't ask any questions Right
1: and it doesn't matter if they ask a question or not It doesn't get any credit for Said thing being brought up
3: So Rob says no credit for asking a question that leads to an interesting debate,
1: or for saying something. I don't
2: know if he's even saying that. That's it, what it's, I'm saying. It's a, it's a weird question to posit in terms of Ace Ventura because Ace Ventura is not, not asking you questions. Right.
3: No, I know. I know. We the highest this got from any of us is a C plus. I know it's not, uh, but <laughs> I figured we could at least almost like a meta of my question. At, the fact that Ace Ventura got us to ask an interesting question about superficial okay, movies that only okay. ask interesting questions. So so is it
2: is it valuable as something that made us kind of question? I don't give a shit about Ace
3: Ventura anymore. I'm talking about movies as a whole. In general how much credit do you give just for kind of Well,
2: that's I mean, and we were talking about cruising earlier, which is like and I didn't see I didn't go to that screening, but apparently it's incredibly troubling and doesn't ask any questions and like it's still a really interesting movie to ask your own questions about. And many movies, many movies can have that where they're not asking you any questions, but because they are troubling implications of the time in which they exist and you it, it makes you sort of sit, step back and look at them and ponder. Yeah, I suppose that can be valuable, but it's not the the filmmaker it's credit, it's 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 not the yeah it's not the it's not the filmmaker asking you anything it's not anybody involved in the movie asking you anything it's you looking back at it and going god that was troubling
1: right and so there's value in it there's value in Ace Ventura there, for doing that value, horrible thing and having that horrible thing happen there's, in there's the movie.
2: certainly value in that
3: maybe we just say its value doesn't belong to it but to the yes. power of movies as a whole to get us to think about the world at large right
1: and I would say that is true about all all things, regardless of whether or not they're attempting to posit the question or not, the value is in the viewer making those questions or those assertions or trying yeah. to figure that out.
2: Like, um, so my favorite movie of this year has like almost no black people in it, and the ones that are are bad guys. Uh, it's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, by the way. Um, and I, 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 going into it, I found that really troubling, but I still love the movie. Right. You know, and I think we're going to look back on that. I still like Ace Ventura. ah.
1: (laughs) I mean, I still like Ace Ventura, even though it like there's all these bad things that are brought up by it. I don't credit the movie with how negative that is. I credit the time in which it was made. I don't.
2: That's not exactly fair, Rob, but it is. It is fair to look back on it and go, oh, my God, what were we thinking? Right.
1: And that's the value. Yeah, no, no. Right, uh, but I don't discredit there. the movie for doing that.
3: I do a little bit. Like yeah. I, I've run into this issue a lot with my movie project. Watching films in the '60s, I ran into a lot of sexism. Um, and the movie does have to be judged a little bit by how it's dated. That's why we use a yes. term like "dated." Dated. To describe He's if a exactly movie
2: right. doesn't age right.
1: well. Exactly, and I, that's you why have
2: to call it dated. Right, and that's it why it is dated, and
1: that's why I don't fault the movie itself.
2: But but you, you you can absolutely fault a movie for being dated. Yeah, to me, dated. And is that is an a on fault. The movie I can
1: fault the things depicted in the movie, but I'm not going to fault the people who created the movie, the people who acted in it, into like, the people who wrote it. You know,
2: like breakfast at fucking Tiffany's. It's like you're not going to fucking call that shit not racist. It's racist. It's just breakfast at Tiffany's, and some people like it, I guess. Right. You
1: can
3: call I it. I like breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. But, you can call it but racist. But it's very easy to but slice I'm off the racist part of it and just think of that
2: yeah no and you and you should you absolutely shouldn't do that
1: right and i'm not you
2: can like a movie for what it is like when we were talking about um fucking uh seven percent solution and we were going It's a bit a islamophobic and that's really really troubling and we like a lot of other things about the movie but we cannot ignore the fact that it is that and right. you cannot ignore the fact this movie is transphobic.
1: Right. And I can say <laughs> that it is transphobic <laughs> and trans shaming. And not fault the movie for being so.
2: Oh, yeah. Stuff that I didn't like all the time. Uh, Breakfast My. at
3: Tiffany's would be a nice, sparkling Bay Planet same minus. Yeah, but except it's a for the racism. Sexist, exactly. So it knocks down but to a, a B plus. But right.
1: A, okay. Well, I mean, when I'm talking about value of film, right, the value is in. Um, what it turns out in you after you watch it, right? That's where value comes in. right? When I talk about credit for a film, whether or not a film gets credit or gets you know brought down for being racist or gets brought up for being not racist, which you know, in 20 years we'll look at it and go, oh shit, that was racist too. sorry, we have a broader understanding of what racism is now. Um, no, I don't I don't fault the filmmakers. I don't fault the actors. I don't fault the writers for that.
2: I just I don't know I don't know exactly what you're saying but I just have this thought that like that's um, you're gonna hate me um, <laughs> but it's it, it, that's kind of like saying that um, well uh, we we can't fault slavery for happening because it taught us that slavery was wrong.
1: Well, there's a value in the fact that slavery taught us it was wrong, and we can look at it now and say it's wrong. I can't fault the individuals back then for having done it then. I could fault them if they were doing it now.
2: I, could I, can, I don't I want to be on this podcast. I can
1: say literally that does not work for those people, and that is a horrible thing to do because it doesn't slavery work for doesn't them. Slavery doesn't
2: work for the people that are slaves. Oh, my God. What, what just happened? What just happened? Yeah, slavery <laughs> does not work
1: for the people who are slaves. Therefore, it is not a good thing to do.
2: What just happened? I I'm sorry. Um, let's let's not do this. Okay,
1: <laughs> you brought it up. You asked me the I know, question,
2: but then you then you started talking about it like I don't know. I I don't fucking Nazis.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Nazis, horrible.
2: What's happening?
3: Oh, good. I think I got what I wanted out of my question. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, we're going to end with that and lose all our listenership.
2: Edit out the part where we mention Nazis. (laughs) One, two, three. John Wilkes Booth
3: theme song. Ma'am!
1: Hey, everybody. So that got a little heated. We thought we'd throw this uh, massacre theater thing at you and then uh, just tell you that we're going to do Home Alone next week. All right. Enjoy this and then the theme song.
2: Ah! Tell me when we're ready. Ace, that stone could have come from anywhere. An earring, a necklace.
3: It came from an 82 AFC championship ring.
2: Lieutenant Einhorn thinks it was an animal. Uh, Lieutenant Einhorn thinks it was an animal rights group. Have you heard of F.A.N.?
3: Free Animals Now? Started in 1982 by Chelsea Gamble, daughter of the famous industrialist Fisher Gamble? Over half a million members from Florida to Finland? No. Who are they?
2: Did you know that last year they sent threatening letters to 127 college teams demanding the release of their mascots? At least, at er at last count... What do you
3: feed your dog?
2: Uh, dog food. Why?
3: He's miserable.
2: What are you talking about? He's just
3: very unhappy. I
2: feel sorry
3: for him. Bad diet, isolated environment. It's, It's amazing he's still alive.
2: You're just mad because your stupid pebble theory didn't work out and you don't know how to express your anger.
3: Yeah? And you're ugly.
2: I'm not even going to talk to you. Please leave.
3: What? So you
2: can beat him? Fatty? You are unbelievable. Bring Hiring you was a huge mistake.
3: Mm, You like her, huh? Yeah, she's all right. Melissa! Look, Melissa, I, uh... You look like a a fat guy just died.
0: (laughs) Carnivorous couch, it happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch. Brady and Rob.
2: I didn't say I was lovely.